as an echo of Christmas, just a few days after celebrating the birth of Jesus, we now celebrate the Holy Family. And we approach the mystery of God with us from the angle of his relationships with Mary, his mother, and Joseph, his adopted father, and the fact that he spent most of his life nestled in a family. This is a silent lesson in itself. All those hidden years summarized in the final verse of today's gospel. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Lord lived with his family a normal life, at least seen from the outside. In fact, when he returned to his hometown as a preacher already, people commented, is this not the son of Joseph? They were amazed at his extraordinary authority and his fame because they had not noticed anything extraordinary when he was living with them, a neighbor among neighbors. Family is such a fundamental ingredient of our human experience, isn't it? It's a fundamental and influential. As a missionary myself, I have had the chance to travel and to live among people of different backgrounds and cultures. And let me share with you a common denominator of human beings is precisely the importance they give to family. Young and old, educated and poor, on a college campus or in a state prison, wherever you go, if you scratch the surface and connect with people, you will see how important their families are for them. This is even clear in the formation of future priests, what I'm trying to do now in the St. John Society. It's amazing to see each candidate with his own family background, values, worldviews, habits, and rituals. They come together into one community, each one with his richness, and also with his wounds. They face the challenge of offering what they bring, but also of letting go of some of that baggage that doesn't align with the gospel or with the missionary life. And something similar happens also with couples, right? Both have a family, and they face the adventure of beginning a new one, which is not the mere sum of each one's family, but rather which has to gain a new identity of its own. And it's a challenge for many to figure this out. What is this new identity that we have to form together? So the family is important and influential. I think this is a no-brainer. The problem is that what we peacefully accepted as normal and mainstream, as a model for the family, is now one among many. And in many ways, is attacked or at least challenged. Because the social situation has changed a lot. I think we are aware of that. Recently, a secular survey about the US, I found this data, 50% of American families are in second marriages, half of the families. The average length of a marriage is seven years. 
50% of the 60 million children under the age of 13 live one, with one of their biological parents and the new partner. And two out of three first marriages of people under the age of 30 end in divorce. Two out of three. So partially as a result of this social situation and partially due to sheer individualism, I think at least, a growing number of young adults do not want to marry. And if they do marry, many don't want to have children. They don't dare. They're frightened at the perspective of being tied to someone else for life, especially that means raising them. So we cannot ignore this situation. The ideal presented by the liturgical feast today of a father, a mother, and their child seems especially difficult today. And it cannot be taken for granted anymore as the obvious thing to do. The good news, however, is that for us Catholics, matrimony is a supernatural call, not just a social fact. It's a vocation. It's a call from God aimed to a particular person or a couple. This means that for those who have that call, there is a mission involved. Something to be done for the sake of something outside the self. Vocation always involves a mission. God calls for something to be accomplished, for something to be done for the sake of the bigger community. In this case, the mission is of the couple to love their spouse in a specific Christian way with free, full, faithful, and fruitful love until death. And to prepare and form good, solid, joyful, loving, and big families where children can become who they are supposed to be. It's a beautiful call and it's so much needed today. It is important, I think, to keep in mind that when God calls, he always offers his grace, his company, and support to fulfill that mission. It's not that he calls and then he leaves. He calls and stays with us as we go through the journey. He's with us through the adventure of building a family. He walks with us in all the ups and downs of life. As a proof of this, I have more good news to share with you today. In one Gallup poll, I read that for families that share their faith, pray together, read the Bible together, and identify themselves as Christians, this is not just families that go to Mass once in a while together, but families who intense, intentionally live out their faith in, a, in an intense way, I would say. They pray together, they read the Bible, they, they make it something important. For those families, the divorce rate drops from 50% to less than 1%. Only one in 1,156 marriages. Of course, this doesn't mean that all those families are perfect, or but it is a significant piece of data 
that faith makes such a difference, that God in the family makes such a difference. I remember now the, the name of this famous priest in the past, in the 50s and the 60s, he would repeat all the time here in the U.S., family that prays together stays together. It was about the rosary. I don't remember the name of the priest, but maybe you do remember. And, and, and it's true. It's a proven fact. And they are also the families who say their family life is the happiest in the same poll. I think this is a very important piece of data for us in the church. Are we doing enough for families? Are we lifting high enough this beautiful call that many people have and they don't dare to accept because they see around our broken society and, and they ask themselves, how could I do something like this if everyone is failing around me? Sure, you will fail as well if you don't have God with you, but with God you won't. You have the grace, you have the resources, you have the sacraments, you have the company of a community. You have all the means that you need to, to be successful in this. So let's conclude with two practical points. The first one is about fruitfulness. We are all called to be fruitful. And we become fruitful when we love, when we invest ourselves in others. A priest should be fruitful. A single person should be fruitful. A monk should be fruitful. Anna in, in, the, in the gospel was fruitful. She was a widow, 84. We don't know if she had kids or not, but she was praying and fasting in the temple all day long. And she was fruitful by doing that, by inspiring people, by leading people back to God, by interceding. It was not about herself. She was not sterile. She was fruitful. We're all called to be fruitful. And of course, a married couple should be fruitful. Abraham, in the first reading we, we listened to, we heard the first reading, he was complaining before God. He was saying, I, am, I have no kids. Why do I want your gifts? I don't want your gifts. Keep them. He didn't say that, but more or less. I want a family. And God blessed him with a family. He said he will be numerous. So I think a Catholic couple should not think in terms of how many children they want to have, but in terms of how many children God is calling us to have if matrimony is a vocation, is a call. This requires prayer, ongoing discernment, dialogue, and also trust in God's providence. Mary was called to have only one, and she was faithful to, to that call. But in most cases, God's call involves bigger numbers, in most cases. And as a, as a side note of this, or a consequence of this, when a couple practices NFP, they show God their openness to this call. In other words, they say to God, we are taking this call seriously. We really believe that you are partnered with us in this adventure of beginning a, fa a family. We're not alone. We are with you, and you interact with us. I have never met a couple regretting having had the children that they had. Never. I heard a mother saying, oh, I wish I had less children than I did. 
they're such a burden now to me. But I have encountered many regretting not having had more. God's call to matrimony is also a call to generosity. As every call. If we are Christians, if we are disciples, we know that we have a call to be generous. Holiness and generosity go hand by hand. Plus, we need that. We need joyful families and big families. Don't we need that in the church? Loving families, luminous families. Bigger families are usually a better environment to foster the vocation of children as well. As kids grow up with siblings, they learn in a practical way to share and they learn about the common adventure of life. That it's not just about them. They learn that it's not about them, but about us. And that paves the way for God to call. Again, in priestly formation, you see that for guys who have more siblings, it's much easier. And the ones who are a single child or maybe have just one sibling, they, they struggle more to, to, you know, to have the freedom that they need to, to fulfill God's call for them. But this applies not only to priestly vocation, to every vocation. Catholic families are called to become a seedbed for vocations, if you want, for people with this awareness of being in this life for a service or for a mission. And the second point is also about fruitfulness. How are we called to be fruitful in our own stage of life? How can we stay loving and open and giving after we are done with raising children, for example, or if we are single or a widow? How can older couples stay influential and loving to their extended families? How can they exercise hospitality? How can they share with the younger ones what they know, what they learned, even through their mistakes? How can they become a meeting point for them, if you want? Matrimony for Catholics is a call, it's a vocation, and it's consecrated by a sacrament. This is how important it is for, for, for Jesus or God. And this sacrament is an ongoing source of grace. So today, as we celebrate the Holy Family, Let's go back to that source of grace that many of you received one day and let's ask our Lord to renew it, to make it fruitful to the end, to the last day. And if you had not received it, but it is your call still, let's ask the Lord to prepare you, to work in you so that you can be open and ready to respond.